Hello, and welcome to episode 133 of the In Squash podcast. Uh, before we get into this, though, I just want to say I hope everyone's safe and healthy, uh, doing what you can to uh, stay inside, stay isolated during this uh, challenging time under the COVID circumstances, um, hopefully sooner rather than later with the, uh, you know, given the stemming of the spread of the virus, we'll be back on court sooner rather than later so let's keep up the good fight everybody and uh, we're going to continue on with these podcasts I've got quite a few lined up and today I've got a really good one for 133 it's actually a little bit of a look back into uh, my squash past indirectly because I have a good friend on he's the head pro at the uh, White Oaks Resort in Niagara-on-the-Lake uh, he was a former Nova Scotia number one, very good uh, player back in the day, uh, Matt Easingwood. And uh, we talk quite a bit about uh, Niagara-on-the-Lake, uh, White Oaks Resort, where he's been the head pro for the past 20 years. And we look back at that and how we got into uh, to coaching. He started, obviously, um, as a player. In fact, I remember playing his father, and I believe I, I do remember him in the gallery at the time. Uh, I was a junior at that time, and I was playing his father in the in a men's a event in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And then 10 years later, I'd be playing uh, Matt in that very same event uh, in the same division. So, uh, And he went on to uh, become Nova Scotia number one, and one of the top players in the Atlantic region uh, competed against him for many years, and we had some great battles some great times and um, we talk about how he eventually came into coaching in fact it started at a young age we'll talk about that Uh, we go into a deep dive on what uh, White Oaks uh, Resort is like it's a fantastic resort there in Niagara on the lake and uh, they've hosted some uh, some big events Uh, his influences at that club uh, which include uh, the Sackfee family and we talk about uh, about them and Several of the other influences that have uh, impacted uh, Matt's career, obviously his uh, his father David, who was uh, a very you know I was a good friend of his as well, and he was he actually coached me for a little bit uh, as the head coach for the men's provincial team in Nova Scotia uh, a couple of times where I represented the province, and um, his other influences include uh, Mike Way and Willie Hosey, and we talk about what they did to impact him as a player and going forward as a coach. And obviously we talk quite a bit about our uh, times together playing squash in Nova Scotia, some good old stories uh, we revisit from back in the day and uh, several other things too. So it's a bit of a cathartic one for me because we indirectly, we look back at uh, a bit of my squash story, but it's more about uh, Matt, his, uh, his role as the head squash instructor uh, head pro at uh, White Oaks Resort and how he wound up there after a very, very uh, good uh, competitive uh, squash career there in Nova Scotia and playing for the University of Toronto as well. So episode 133 with Matt Easingwood. How you doing, buddy? Good, good. Good to hear your voice. Good to hear your voice, man. I know. So are we on here? Or we're, we're on, man. We're on. We, I mean, uh, I can edit this thing. Uh, I have okay. to edit it, so don't worry. But uh, yeah, we're on. And um, man, it's been, uh, you know what? I was in, actually, we were in Niagara. near. I, we stayed at the, we were at the Hilton. I don't know how long ago. My kids were like um, eight and maybe four years old. So I don't know if you were there or not, but I had the, because I knew of uh, Niagara on the lake and I knew they had squash, but I wasn't 
I'm not sure if you were there at that time. That would have been about um, 13 years ago. Yeah, I was there. I've been there since 2000. Since 2000. Holy Lord. Okay. 20 years. That's great. That's yeah, so pretty you much. Were, you would have been there then. I should. I, I don't know what. What. I guess I just couldn't get away from the family thing. Yeah, I remember that. You knew. You, like I think I might have even told you I was there. Yeah, I did. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember everything these days, but it usually comes back to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, welcome to the club, man. Uh, you know, those, those good memories do come back. Uh, it gets better when you hit 50 as well. Only, only the good memories. <laughs> which, which is why, uh, you know, which is why um, you're here, man. Uh, you know, I've been wanting to, to ask you to come on to the podcast for, for quite a while. I mean, we, you and I go way back, uh, obviously. Uh, I was in preparation for this. But just before we get into that, though, um, just by way of introduction, Matt Easingwood, a good friend uh, of mine uh, from, for many years, dating way back to uh, when I was a junior and he was just a young pup. But um, uh, yeah, dating way back to then, and uh, you're you're the head squash pro at White Oaks Resort at Niagara on the, on the lake. Been there as you just said for since uh, 2000. Uh, now I don't know the, the details prior to that are a bit sketchy because I uh, I think the last time we saw each other, and I could be wrong here, you were sporting a, a very heavy you were heavily bearded, and. Uh, you were, it was at a cafe in Toronto, and I basically said, meet me at the cafe. And I'd never seen, basically, you were babyface uh, Easingwood before that. I walked past the cafe because I didn't recognize you in the, I thought it was like a street <laughs> <laughs> in the cafe. Most of my university years. Yeah. Yeah. And so then I had a good run there with the beard for about four or five years yeah and well then, i mean you, you know i had i had the long uh i had the, the the long locks there for several years as well we go through those uh stages i guess in life yeah yeah i remember you running through um with yeah. the beard and the long hair going i think yeah they were uh, yeah it was a different time back then but it was uh, definitely um we had some good years now now uh i guess before 2000 i know you before that, you were playing varsity squash at the University of Toronto. This is how I'm piecing this together. Yeah. And obviously, uh, after that, uh, you got into coaching. You also played, I mean, obviously, you played competitively, former Nova Scotia number one provincial team member. In terms of squash in Nova Scotia, I mean, you, you, you did hold that ranking down and competed for the top spot for several uh, several years so they were good good years for you so what happened at, uh where how did you get into to the coaching side of things man you know when i started i was 12 years old and i was at the cape breton ymca um working with my dad who was pretty passionate about the game he used to drive down to halifax for tournaments and that was like a well, four hour you know what uh i don't know if like uh, uh, as I was preparing for this, I I remember playing your dad. Uh, I yeah. know, this might have been one of his maybe. He didn't compete after a certain period, but he was like one of the better A players yeah. around, and he had a really good sort of conventional classical style of game. And I remember playing him. It was like a first round match in the 
Nova Scotia Open or one of those tournaments. It was at Burnside on the last court, the one that's just that was to the right of the show court there. And if I'm not mistaken, you were there just watch, oh, yeah. watching the match. <laughs> that's how it all started. You know, I came and watched and I loved watching you guys. And then my dad started coaching me and then he decided to get his certification levels and he became the coach at the Breton YMCA. And then I went into a junior tournament, maybe um, after watching one or two tournaments and thanks to his, his coaching, like I was able to, to uh, win that tournament and that was it for me because I needed something like that. Mm. No, exactly. I, I remember something similar to uh, what happened with me. Like I played, was playing a little bit. Uh, and then I got um, uh, into my first squash, the first squash tournament. And it happened yeah. to be like one uh, of these provincial, provincial, the winner, the winner would represent Nova Scotia and go over and play in Ontario. And I remember playing Robbie Weatherston. I don't know if you remember him, <clears throat> tennis player from Nova Scotia. And we played in the finals of the under 12, I think. And he had won it the year before. And uh, I managed to beat him. So that, that was it. I was like, I was sold uh, on squash. Your after that. He was helping to run those tournaments. Yeah, that, that would have been a little bit before uh, that. It was sort of after I got into it a little more, but yeah, that, that like back then it was Graham Waters. I mean, he was involved big time, maybe Dave Hubley, Louise, yeah. I think was involved uh, with the junior program. Uh, some other people too, like Ian Ferguson over at Burnside, uh, he was involved, yeah. I think. But uh, anyways, yeah. So uh, yeah, I remember that match playing. I remember playing your dad and I remember you were there. And I, you know, and I know, uh, I know what an influence your, your dad was on you, uh, even back when you were, you know, competing for, for top spot in Nova Scotia, he, he was very, you know, involved in coaching you then. Yeah. So, so what happened was, um, I decided to do my levels when I was young and, um, I recommend that to kids now, like if you really love squash, you should take your beginner levels in coaching so that you can get the foundation. And mm. so that's what I did. And it helped me because actually I got some jobs out of it as well as just the general knowledge of squash. Yeah. Like I worked for Squash Nova Scotia for like three years and that was a great job for a university student, high Absolutely, school. Yeah. Started. Um, cause uh, by that point I already had my level two, my dad had his level three. So just doing those early weekends, you know, going, going and doing your weekend certification, it really helped me as a player to get jobs, got me through university. Did you um, coach uh, at university at all when you were there? And I did summer camps Yeah. and I also, I strung rackets, mm -hmm. but I also, did some coaching and uh, did some junior program stuff. And I wasn't quite ready for the private lessons at that point in my life. Right. I was more interested in playing. Yeah, so well, for sure. A lot. Well, that, I mean, that's what sort of, I didn't, you know, if I had been a bit more disciplined like you, I, I mean, I did my level one when I was young and then I did uh, level two when I got, when I was in Seoul, actually, I did my level two. I came back, went to Vancouver and did it with uh, Andrew Lynn. 
because I was coaching at the at the Hyatt uh, in Seoul, so I wanted to make sure I had certain certification <laughs> to do that. But uh, but yeah, uh, I didn't realize that you had done your levels at, at that young an age. But obviously, uh, being the competitor and being you know knowing how competitive uh, the scene was in Nova Scotia and Halifax at that time, I mean, I wanted to talk to you about that. It was such a such a good time. I guess it would have been like 10, 12, 15 years where it was, you know, there, there were a couple of guys who kind of dominated each year, but it was always flipping around, wasn't it? Yeah, it was amazing, you know, and uh, the, the level of competitiveness in there at that point in time, it was great to be around and just different characters, you know, some really <laughs> people and uh, sometimes, you know, squash attracts all kinds of different people and there's always going to be a couple of really intense characters in there oh yeah uh, we can all relate to that you know and i think um this that's what that's the beauty of squash and in the end you know everyone usually calls their lets no one gets hurt <laughs> <laughs> no exactly yeah i mean when we were but, back we had uh, i've got a list here we've got um the boils yourself yeah uh, harvey and matt bishop uh, Mike McGuigan, Dave Hubley, Dermot, uh, I forget his his last name, O'Connor or something like that, some uh, some Irish guy, he came in for a few years. McCurdy, Beasley, uh, I was around. <clears throat> ben Hatcher, Chris Duratney was there for a few years. Um, I mean, there were several really sort of good competitive uh, players there and lots of great matches and lots of, cla- you know, contrasting uh, personalities uh, amongst all of those. Uh, it was just a really interesting period. Yeah, it was. I remember training in the summers, and I feel like as a coach, I'm, when I reflect back, I'm always telling my kids, you know, you've got to have a big summer, and that's mm. when you catch up. You know, the Boyle brothers and yourself really challenged me because you guys were above me, and I wanted to get there, and you guys were tough. I had some really big summers there. Yeah. Did a lot of running. But yeah, I mean, that, that was, I mean, we can talk a, a little bit about those guys. I, I mean, the Boyles, uh, I know when Julian was number one, uh, he used to work over at uh, Moosehead in the summer. He, he'd, uh, he was working at the brewery. And that was, I don't know how far it was from the brewery to where he was living there in downtown Halifax, but he was running to and from work. Wow. I mean, he, he was, you know, he, he was taking it pretty seriously uh, at the time. Uh, I mean, Keith, Keith didn't come across uh, that way, but uh, you know, he, he had other attributes. <laughs> yeah. Keith was tough too. And they were tough mentally. Like they were intimidating characters. And yeah, I think that now in my life in Ontario, I'm used to that. So I'm ready to not be pushed around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, if you've been, I mean, we all know, you know, I, I've had a few battles with, uh, with Julian, but with Keith, I've had several over the years. Like I'll, I'll never forget, uh, I think it was with my last year junior. It was under, yeah, my last year of under 19 and Keith and I played in the final and I'd never lost a junior event until yeah and and, uh, and it looked like i was going to lose because he was up to love and somehow i managed to to win that match but i know ne- you know i never really i was, and i've lost a few times to keith but 
I've, I think I've beaten him more than I've lost. But Julian, on the other hand, after juniors, uh, I think I may have only beaten him once or twice out of maybe seven matches. Yeah. Well, so I, I was just going to say at that point, I did a lot of running and now I would say to do more strength and skill training too, because I felt like mm. uh, my drop shot just wasn't nearly good enough back then. So now my philosophy with coaching is to get these get my students to have a good drop shot, a good volley, and um, be strong physically. No, I, I remember, um, I think the first match we ever played against each other, you might remember this. It was, I, I could, correct me if I'm wrong, I played Chris Petropoulos in the first round at the PEI, Prince Edward Island Open, and we'd all traveled over there. I played, and I played him in the first round, and I, uh, beat him easily uh, not not easily but it's never easy against him but uh now and then i had to i played you in the second round and i, I think you beat me three one or something like that and petropolis was just livid he was livid he was like how could you beat me and lose to him yeah he came up to me <laughs> after how how could you and he was he wouldn't even talk to me for the rest of the weekend i had to really get my act together to beat chris it was a really huge obstacle to mm. get past Petropolis because he wasn't going to give you an inch. <laughs> well, he, he I wanted to ask you about. I wanted to nine. ask you about Chris. I mean, uh, yeah, go. So I'll, I'll, yeah, you finish what you're saying. Sorry, Matt. Go ahead. Chris, you nine one nine one nine love, and he would not give you an inch, and no. it took me years to get past him. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like he, so solid as a dentist you know he's just ready to go every day <laughs> yeah yeah no so, i was gonna ask you though i mean geez how i mean i've had like i've made the mistake I, I, a couple of times like we went i we played friendly matches so i give him a call say do you want to have a hit but they were the they were just as bad the friendly matches just as just as crazy have you ever seen anyone i mean you've you've been around player a lot of players over the years in in the, you know doing your coaching and play, organizing tournaments and things like that have you ever seen uh, anyone quite like you know the legend chris petropolis as a competitor on the court with res with respect to him yeah i mean there's people around and they're great players and they're yeah. tough you know, they're tough as nails and uh, just respect people like that so mm. much. And Chris is one of them. He was the guy back then. And he was also the one who was a bit more grown up and taught us, you know, to have some boundaries and work hard. And he always yeah, he would tell that we could do better and be really good players coming out of Nova Scotia. No, he, was, yeah. he was very proud of being from... Uh, Nova Scotia and representing Nova, he represented yeah. Nova Scotia at the team uh, championship several times and uh, he was you know he always gave back to the game which was awesome I, I remember as a junior he you know we, we'd go to Moncton or wherever and he'd always drive he, he'd take me along with him and you know he, he was really good that way yeah it's it's such a great thing to be around people like that when you're young yeah. that's one of the things about sports it gets you in in touch with some successful people who are going to give you be good role models yeah 100 percent. yeah 
but I, I just I remember that match uh, in PEI um, where I I played really well to beat Chris. I think it wasn't very close, and then to go play that well, and then as Chris put it, to play so poorly against you which you know I, I don't know what it was uh with you but you were sort of a nemesis for me i think you i mean you had such a really good really fundamental fundamentally very very good and uh i think you were able to well, my so, thing with i'm not you, sure Jerry, what was, my shot my i just shot. was gonna yeah, wait go for you to make the mistake <laughs> exactly and i was yeah. just hoping that you would because i just told myself just hang in there because he's got good shots and I just have to try to hang in there with you. Yeah. That, I and mean, you, you played and you had the fitness to be able to, uh, you were fit enough to be able to do that. And I was probably, you know, at that time, not patient uh, enough to sort of, who were some of the, the guys that you sort of really enjoyed the battle with, you know, whether you won or lost, doesn't matter who, who were the guys that you really enjoyed playing? Cause I know, I know you had, some some a bit of a rivalry there with Keith Boyle, maybe with Julian. Uh, I wasn't around as much during the the heart of the squash season for a lot of those years. But um, who were the guys that you um, you enjoyed playing the most? Well, in Nova Scotia, it was Keith and Julian for sure. After yeah. Chrisopolis. and I used to love training with Matt Bishop. Matt Holland and Jeffrey Hardham, right? Your family. So we um, all trained together and that was great. But the big nemesis, the big guy for me was Keith. Him and I came up at the same time. We became really good friends, but it started out as a real rivalry. Yeah. Yeah. He wanted he wanted to kick my ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I would he felt like I um, was just a skinny kid that he was going to, he didn't want to lose to some skinny little kid from Cape Breton. So right. he, he was tough. And then once, once we had a few years under our belt, we became really good friends. And so, yeah, he was, he was the guy for me in Nova Scotia as a player. Yeah. I can remember, I mean, you know, Keith and I were, we're pretty close back then too. And uh, I can just remember a couple of times how fired up, he, you know, how fired up he could get. I mean, how fired up he would get uh, for, for his matches and uh, in particular for, for a match against you. Yeah. He was, he was number one at the time. So yeah, that was, that was really enjoyable because, you know, he was a nice guy, oh, yeah. I looked up, yeah. but he had a lot of charisma. It was, um, he was the guy that really was the tough one for me. But yeah, I didn't, he played the game. He played the game differently. You know, I mean, it was pretty, pretty basic. But I mean, it, it was such a, you know, ferocious attack from start to finish, wasn't it? Just pure. It was power, pace, and you know, yeah. a little bit unpredictable as well. Oh yeah. Remember that little flick? He, he, I don't know why he would play because it, it never really. I don't think it was all that effective, but it was kind of a little backhand flick drop shot from like mid court. Do you remember that one? Yeah, those the, he could do that, and that's what you need to be able to do, right? Is to take the ball short, yeah, and take it in there consistently once you get an opening. 
Oh yeah, for sure. Well, Keith, when uh, as you know, when Keith, um, Keith and I went to uh, to Korea together, and uh, we continued that 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 battle over there. We had, we played in a bunch of tournaments and got to the finals in them, and uh, had some really <laughs> some really great matches, and then afterwards had some really great parties as well. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's, so there's nothing like a party uh, uh, with with the boils invited. We had the great parties in Nova Scotia, and um, well, we could tell some stories here, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we uh, we might, uh, yeah. Well, there's some good ones, of course. Those were the good old days, right? I mean, uh, I mean, Keith, I mean, you could do a Netflix series on the Boyle brothers, that's for sure. Oh, I know those guys were really I mean, tough. Uh, as crazy as Keith was, he's no match for Julian. I know. Well, Julian would give me the Philadelphia serve on match ball. Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. you know, he, yeah, Philadelphia serve and then run. Yeah, yeah he, he was a good player, man, Julian, back in the oh, yeah. day. He, yeah, he was, yeah. They yeah. both were. Yeah, fantastic. But uh, some great stories. Uh, I, I heard um, every time I, I go home, Matt, um, Matt, Bishop and Holland, they always tell me the same story. It's just, it's so good. It, it, you know, it's worth repeating it. But uh, I think it was a provincial team championship uh, and it was held in Greenwood. I don't know if you were there for this or not. Oh, yeah. It was held in Greenwood. And uh, it was after the, the event. It was at the reception or something. And it was in the officer's, uh, officer's mess hall, I guess, it, it maybe you know, nice place. And they had a bar with a, you know, they have that bell. And if you ring that bell, that means there's a man down or something. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently uh, after several uh, drinks, I don't think it takes that many drinks to get Julian, uh, you know, all fired up, but uh, he, he got going at at the bell (laughs) at the bar, started ringing. So uh, that, that party didn't last long. Well, Matt Bishop became the best, uh, player i think in Nova our history history yeah yeah well it all started it all started from back then i mean i was thinking about this the other day i mean there was i mean you came out of that uh, the Boyles came out of that matt bishop came out of that i mean you look at look at who their influences were there you know your your parents right your peter rest his soul um harvey very, yeah. very good player back in, you know, he was an A-level a player with a lot of uh, flair to his game. He, he was a guy I loved to play because he, like, like uh, you don't see it that much in Matt because he's more polished, right? But, but he does have a lot of similar characteristics like Matt. Matt won't give up. You know, he, he, he never gives up. And, and that was Harvey's thing too. And then, of course, yeah. your, your father too. All, all three of you uh, were heavily sort of influenced by pretty good squash players in, in your father's. Yeah. I mean, Peter, I, I mean, I don't know. Apparently he was a, he was a, an A-level player before he had his accident and he was still playing with the, the brace on his leg. You remember that, I'm sure. I do, but that was just before I started really. I think I remember him slightly, you know. Yeah. So those were great years. And I was going to ask you, I just wanted to get to asking you about the people who influenced you. Now you already mentioned um, your dad, and he was a huge influence on your game and, and probably maybe, I guess, the reason why you took, uh, took up the coaching side of things. But another guy 
and this is just from my memory of you, another guy who uh, had a, a lot of a heavy influence on you uh, <clears throat> was a, maybe Willie Hosey. And I'm not, I could be wrong, but. Uh, no, you're exactly right. So when I was in the Atlantic Open, I was um, second year university and I'm, uh, Willie came down for a pro event and I said, um, I said to him, would you mind if I, I didn't know him. And I said, would you mind if I um, came up to Ontario, if I could have a hit with you? And yeah. he said, he said, Oh Matt, Yeah. You know what? Belinda's leaving for a month. You might as well come stay with me. <laughs> uh -oh, okay. So I did. Yeah. And like uh, two months later and uh and then i i stayed but trained with him for a month and uh then i changed my university over to the university of toronto and i moved there with um pat riding yeah who, who i was making building up a friendship with um so i moved to the university of toronto i started playing at all the different clubs downtown and that's when i met uh, mike way and he was coaching at at the downtown toronto athletic club and um he had uh pat riding and graham riding and he also had jonathan power yeah and shahir razik and um, Jamie Crombie. The, who, the who's who of uh, Canadian squash legends. Yeah. So then <laughs> I went, everything that we talked about in Nova Scotia and that wonderful group of people, then I went to Toronto and I was with all of these guys and living with them as in a, uni as a university house uh, with, with uh, Pat Riding and Graham Riding. And then um, Jonathan Power was living in his own apartment, but um, we were all training at the club. Although Jonathan wouldn't train with me, he was, he was too good. <laughs> so I used to train. <laughs> he wouldn't train with only certain people he would train with because he was obviously trying to be the best in the world. So he, yeah, yeah. he did drills with me. Um, I better be keeping it very tight. Exactly. Well, you, that was that was part of your game. You you kept it pretty tight. Yeah, but I wasn't at his level. But he was. I mean, these guys would play the game so well. Harry Waite. Yeah. Right. Willie yeah. Hosey. Jamie. Jamie Crombie. You know, Graham was super nice. He would hit with me. Jamie Crombie was super nice. He'd hit yeah. with me. Um, but that was just basic, basic drills. Yeah, post drive and stuff like that. Yeah. And with Pat, I was a little bit better we could mix it up more and then the big uh person that also helped me and i became great friends with was ian power who was right. jonathan's is jonathan's brother yeah so that all of these guys came in under mike way he was the leader he was the great coach and so i was really lucky to have those five years and I watched Graham and Shahir and Jonathan do their thing and and get up to the top of the ranking. So it was really exciting. Yeah. And it, you were, it you were just, there to, to see, to, put, to watch them put in the blood, sweat, and tears, right? To, yeah. I mean, like they were 
twice a day training. They were going to bed early, waking up early. So this all this all this myth about you know there there was always the sort of stuff that you know Jonathan didn't train. That's all BS. Well, when I first got there, he was still partying and right. you know, the raves, and then he wasn't doing very well. I remember we would go, to, we went to Burlington and played in a tournament, and this guy from South Africa who was ranked fiftieth just totally controlled Jonathan and. Um, Jonathan was so frustrated, but this guy was just so solid. And and then after a, a few of those, after a period of time of losing to these guys in the top fifty, Jonathan and Mike and and Shahir and Graham got together and they just committed completely to twice a day, going to bed early, eating properly, and no more partying and then that's when jonathan was able to do it exactly it took yeah. a total sacrifice, total sacrifice and then he took he the squash to... world by storm really yeah there, there's mean, no one no one like him until he arrived yeah like he didn't he just did it in like three years yeah, yeah. he was always so talented i remember well, the, I think you didn't. We go to the uh, the Quebec Open together. Was it? Were yeah. you on that? We were. Were you in the van that Eddie drove? Eddie Beasley drove to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> was it Montreal? Didn't we drive to Montreal together? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a great road. That was a great road trip. But that that was sort of uh, maybe indicative of of Jonathan at that time because he got. I think he got to the final. Uh, yeah. Played Jamie, lost in five, but was partying with yeah. us like like an hour before the match almost yeah yeah so he was <laughs> he was uh incredibly talented but then it, you, you can only get so far yeah that. oh yeah they're so good well like he said he was uh, i had him on my podcast and like he said he was young back then he was doing however old he was a 17 18 year old he was making 18 year old decisions at the time and and uh, he definitely, yeah. uh, you know, he matured quickly and uh, did it, you know. He managed to, mm. to get it done. Mm. So Mike Way was the guy. I mean, he he was the man among, amongst the boys. And he said that you have to commit 100%. Yeah. And, and he did. Now, I remember Mike um, coming to Fenwick, the, the club in Halifax where we used to play a bit. And I just yeah. remember him being, you know, a good guy. And I, you know, he, he liked to part, you know, have a few beers after, but when he was on the court, he was no nonsense. Yeah. He's a very serious coach. Yeah. Fun though. He's funny. Yeah. Oh he's yeah. Very, he's very dry. Very, very funny. Very I, I just remember him telling me, uh, he said, some, I think we were doing, I was doing some ghosting. He told me to do something. Yeah. And then, then he said, he said, uh, Jesus, you're heavy on your feet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Remember when I showed up out of Halifax and I thought I was like top 20, right? Yeah. And, uh, and he's like, oh, you know, you're probably like top 50. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that, I mean, that's, that's what you got to hear. And I think that's probably, and you know this now, uh, there's some buttons that you push as a coach and that, that's one of them, right? To, sort of under maybe maybe undermine 
in a, in a sort of not, not in a really bad way, but trying to undermine the person you're coaching a little bit just to get them to maybe work a bit harder. Yeah. Well, I, uh, Mike, Mike is brutally honest and he was right. Like uh, there were so many guys that could beat me who weren't in the rankings because yeah. I didn't have the skills, right? I was a rallier. And so I had to develop an attack and game. Yeah. yeah. And Did you? That was what he said to me that first day. He's like, Oh, you know, you're like top 50. <laughs> what? <laughs> right. you, top right. 50. I am. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. You know, but getting back to Willie, I mean, this was, I mean, uh, actually Willie is really, I mean, he's well known around the world, right? Not just yeah. in Canada. Uh, yeah. to, there's a guy who, where I live now and he just left, but uh, he was the Irish over 50 masters champion. And we, we were training and playing together for, for about a year or two, just up until last year, but he knows Willie and he know, obviously yeah. knows him from, from Ireland and, being uh, Willie wouldn't have played in that event because he would he you know admittedly uh, said that Willie would kick his ass pretty easily. But uh, what was it about Willie? Like, how did he impact your game? And what I know, I know he had a, an influence on a lot of people uh, as a as a coach as well. Yeah, well, he was um, very deceptive. He he would send he showed he sh- certainly showed me how to be on your toes because he could send the ball anywhere at any time. And then he was so uh, fit yeah. and slim, yeah. you know, he, he would just rally forever. Yeah. Um, he would, he would have great battles, you know, with Shahir. And I remember watching him with all the guys and just how much he enjoyed it, you know, and mm. he knew everybody off the court and Every, he enjoyed that part of it so much, you know. Like he was a, he was such a great player, and and then, but what he also was able to do, which was an amazing thing, was that he would he would come off, he would know everybody, he would laugh with everybody, you know. He made the tournament so much fun, and yeah. you know him and Steve Lawton, right? And John, <laughs> yeah, Lawton, yeah, like three. Those guys had had such a huge. Sorry, did you say John Flurry? John Flurry, right? Yeah, yeah, Steve, yeah. right? And Willie, where the they built up so much of the game, right? Along with Gary Wade and and then um, Jamie Crombie. But Willie, you know, he's just had that Irish hospitality about him, and. I remember watching the way he hit the ball, like he could hit the ball perfectly. He had super wrist and, you know, you never, and then he could just send you the wrong way. Was that because of his, you know, he had really, he had great, he was speedy. He seemed to get to the ball early all the time. He was always, his racket was always prepared, always ready. Uh, Was it like a lot to do with his, uh, his movement, wasn't it? Yeah, he had great movement, great anticipation. He had that dying length, and he could hit a wicked boast, wicked drop shot. So he was at that level of you know top top players in the world, and there was only a there's always only a handful of them around, right? Those were good years for you to be able to spend time with uh, with those guys. 
So yeah, you had some great influences over the years. I mean, I knew about Willie because you used to talk about him a lot. And of course, Mike Way, I knew uh, that you guys had a bit of a relationship. And uh, obviously that led uh, to you playing some great squash yourself. But uh, also in a way, along with the, your father's influence, it took you to, uh, to a coaching career, which has now left you at uh, Niagara on the lake, uh, the uh, White Oaks Resort. So talk about uh, White Oaks Resort for us. I mean, I'm going to have a buddy of mine come on in a, in a few weeks. Uh, he's in Whistler, and he's a, squ he's a squash pro at the facility there. Um, Rob Eberhardt, I don't know if you know, know him. But, um, yeah, uh, I do. Yeah. So, yeah, talk about what it's been like for you at uh, White Oaks, because I know the Sackvi uh, family, are, are, I think the father used to coach there as well, and his sons maybe grew up playing there. Yeah, so... After those days in Toronto, my last year in Toronto, I met my wife, who was not a squash player. We did some traveling. We went to India. We settled back in St. Catharines, which is where she grew up, because she had a job. And uh, so we moved here, and I ended up at White Oaks with Mark Sackvi. I uh, just started out part-time just hoping to hoping to do as much as I could and then it turned into a full-time job with Mark within a year and and then I've been been lucky to work with Mark um, so we um, we started working together in 2001 and uh, White Oaks is an amazing place and it's just a uh, an incredible sort of uh, four diamond resort. So it's got um, squash courts right next to it. So you don't have to leave. And um, it, we host tons of tournaments because of that. And so Mark Sackby built it up. Um, they eventually renovated from five courts to eight. Okay. Wow. So they it, about seven years ago they they made it eight courts and now we can host big national championships and Mark did the women's world championships uh, women's team championships but um, so sadly what happened was that he passed away mm. a year before that tournament in two thousand and thirteen we were on our way to go uh, where we were at the National Squash Academy, which is what Jonathan and Gary Wade were running along with Jamie Nichols. And we, so Mark and Cindy and Leslie, my wife and I, we drove up for a celebration of life for Adrian Dudzicki, who was um, hit by a car. He was training as a PSA player. He was, He's a guy, he was on his bike, right? He was on his bike yeah, and yeah. he got, he got hit and died. Oh, and yeah. so, um, a week later we're at Adrian's Memorial and Mark passed away from a heart attack. And, um, he was a great person and just an amazing person to, on top of everything, one else that we've talked about, then I got to work with Mark Sackby for 13 years and, he was just um, larger than life guy, super funny, tons of energy. 
built built so many things for squash. Um, and so I had a good 13 years with Mark and his wife, Cindy. And I still work with Cindy. Cindy is amazing as well. And Mark and Cindy together were like the, just an incredible squash couple. And every, I know so many people who might listen to this are going to know Mark and Cindy. And then you got their kids, Lauren, who works for Squash Ontario now and uh, Nick who's on the PSA tour and Canadian national champion and then you got Chris their oldest who is an assistant coach at Columbia in New York and so I got to work with the Sackbees and when I got there the kids were small mm. the Sackbees were small they were eight and eight eight ten and twelve and so we we grew up, I got to grow up with them and, um, man, we're old, aren't we? Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so much stuff goes on and, and now Mark has been gone now for six years, seven yeah. years. And even that time goes so fast. I just watch all these kids grow up. So my kids are now teenagers. Yeah. Yeah, same here. <laughs> Watch these kids, they go from junior squash to university squash. And then they go, and then university squash is over like that. Like it's, it goes so fast now. Whereas I remember when I was a kid, I thought it lasted forever, you know, university. Yeah. But now yeah. I look back like four years and it's done five years. And then these kids are getting jobs <laughs> and then they're having their own kids, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, so. you got to cherish it while uh, while it lasts as a parent. It's, yeah, it's the tapestry of squash or the tapestry of life, you know. And if you stick with something your whole life, like we have, then that tapestry is so rich, and deep, and so many people involved. Yeah, and that's what squash is all about, because you can't focus on winning you got to focus on what you can control. And so you focus on yourself and your training and your, um, the way that your character is going to be, and, you know, who do you want to be, you know, and how hard are you going to work in life and how are you going to deal with setbacks and, and how are you going to handle the success? And Yeah. All of these people that we're talking about, like they, you know, who cares who won, right? And 20 years ago, like it's, you know, you're, you're try to win, you do everything you can to win. And you, you know, the best perspective really is to just um, do your best and be your best. Right? Do your best, do your best, leave it out on the court, have fun. Yeah. At the end of the day and enjoy yeah. it and enjoy the people that you're doing it with, you know? Yeah. And then you just work bloody hard. I mean, if you love yeah. squash, you work your tail off and nothing comes easy and everything is hard. I mean, everyone has setbacks. Yeah. Nothing never goes easy. It's, uh, it's up and down, up and down. Now, a couple of years back, um, 
at uh, White Oaks, you, I'm not sure when this event started, but it's become quite uh, prolific there at White Oaks, the, the Reggae Cup. Yeah, the Reggae yeah, if you Cup. Could, that, that a buddy of mine was supposed to play in it this year, and I told him, you know, he said, oh, I'm going to White Oaks, I'm going to go play. There's a tournament this weekend. And I looked it up on the calendar. It was the Reggae Cup. Uh, but I don't think he made it. But I think he'll try to get there next year. But uh, it's a great uh, – I mean, you've invited me to play in it. I've never had the opportunity, but I definitely will one day. Uh, I promise I'll get there to play in it because uh, both you and I know how much uh, we both uh, love the Reggae Man. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, tell us how, how that event uh, – got started and uh, what it uh, what it means to to the club there and at, at uh, white oaks yeah so mark sackby uh, the guy who did it and um Indy and i helped him we play reggae music all weekend and it just turns into such a relaxed <laughs> vibe everybody is so happy to be there um it's right after the holidays yeah. So, I think so it's an extension of the holidays. Yeah. So it's like a final bang. Yeah. And um, everyone is so relaxed. Like it's the easiest tournament of the year, even though there's so many people. People have to play it early in the morning and late at night, and we don't get off court till midnight. But everyone loves it, you know, and it's just yeah. full of normal, regular club players. And we get you know, a lot of women now and the men's divisions are all sold out. We have a men's draw 64 for men's C and then wow. we have to limit 64 men's C. That's great. And then a B and D is limited to 32 yeah. and that all sells out within six weeks of the tournament. And then um, it's waitlist only, but these so guys is this mostly people from from the province or any a lot of people coming from away now for this one? some americans coming but it's mainly ontario yeah and it's and it's um families white oaks is amazing for families so you yeah. can bring your yeah. kids you know if your wife doesn't play you can bring her she's gonna love white oaks there's there golf around there there's golf right yeah. across the street right but it's winter right so you can't can't no. play golf no. but i do run a golf tournament in september fundraising tournament for junior squash and um yeah but anyway the reggae cup is just so relaxed you know so did you have a hand in uh, convincing him to come up with that name or was that mark's uh him and i sorted it out one day in the office and we knew that it was going to be super fun to do a reggae theme. You, you, you threw on a bit of the old, uh, some old classic uh, Bob Marley there, maybe a bit of uh, Peter Tosh. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. And uh, put the dreadlocks on. Put the dreadlocks on. Yeah, that sounds like an event that, uh, yeah, I'd love to play in. But my friend, I don't know if you know him, Stephen Gardner. Yeah, I do, yeah. Yeah, he, I don't know if he played it in it this year, or maybe he did and he got injured or something, I forget. But uh, yeah, he um, he told me he was planning to play in it. So hopefully this year he'll, he'll play. He's definitely, uh, he's big into the reggae. Yeah, well, most people are, especially, oh, you, uh, can, yeah. you know, as you get older, you realize that 
people are into it. Everyone loves the reggae and it's a positive message for the world. And I love it. I love Rastafarians and I studied religion in school. So I've always loved it. Um, Such positive messages, right? And, you know, but White Oaks, like, just like I was saying, it's a great place for families. So you can come, you can bring your babies, right? You've got people walking around with their kids in uh, prams. And then you've got three, four, five-year-olds running, having fun, um, hanging out. There's lots of space. And and so the, the they'll come with their club. Like people will come as a group, right, from their club. And they'll bring their kids. They're hanging out. They're they're getting some exercise. And, yeah. And it's a great thing at White Oaks. I was well, lucky so- to get it uh, really sounds like you uh, like like a great facility. I wish I had yes, taken I mean, wish I had taken uh, the time to uh, to catch up with you when I was there. Yeah, I mean they got like I said they got a swimming pool, hot tubs. You can relax there. They got a one of the best spas in Canada. And not only that, I mean Niagara Niagara Falls is a you know it's a, a great spot well, to to be for you know, take your family for like a family vacation. I mean, just to hang out there and there's lots going on. I know. So like what, it's an amazing place for squash. And if there's anyone listening out there who wants to sponsor a tournament, like we would love to have um, big tournaments at White Oaks. We do have big tournaments at White Oaks, but we're always looking for new ideas or to do something better and um so if there's anyone out there who's interested in yeah working as a sponsor for 100 percent, 100 i mean you guys could uh you've hosted like yeah like you said you hosted the the women's yeah worlds there you've hosted some big events and board out on the tennis courts for the women's worlds and they, they just thought it was one of the best clubs they've ever been to, if not the best club. I think people see that when they come. And they also see that there's volunteers, like there's the squash club is great, right? So there's all these really keen people around. We have lots of volunteers. And, and so everything runs really smoothly. And, and we've got, you know, 30 years of experience hosting tournaments. So... 100%, yeah. Really, I'm really lucky to have got into that and been able to work there. And now, you know, we've got the coronavirus. And yeah, I was going to ask you, Matt, how, how is uh, White Oaks uh, doing with regard to, uh, well, how, how is the lockdown, or is there a lockdown going on right now at, uh, at your facility? Total, total state of emergency in Ontario and the rest of Canada, and it's just been extended to make, 12th so i know for three weeks more we're locked down it's already been four weeks so we're looking at about seven weeks and you know um we will get back once they get the health emergency sorted out then we'll come back and we'll all be more appreciative of Mm. our life and what we can do absolutely and so for us who are passionate about squash, we're going to do things at a new level, I think, when we get back. And 
I mean, I don't know if you saw if you saw my post uh, before we uh, hooked up tonight, but I did my uh, I did the Nick Matthew thirty eight minute circuit training lung buster uh, before <laughs> before uh, before our little session uh, here, Matt. So I mean, if anything, I mean it's really sort of getting us to sort of pay attention to to maybe the details that we might not have before and to appreciate the appreciate. game that much more uh, as yeah. well. What what yeah. are you guys doing? What what are you doing as um maybe as a pro and, and, and your team, what are you guys doing to stay in touch uh with your members and with the squash community right now? Well we've been doing some online videos. Our staff is contributing some stay at home uh uh exercises and routines to do to keep yourself uh fit and so I did a little video on how to hit the ball with yeah, I saw that. That was good. I, I, I now I know how to hold the racket. <laughs> uh, no, it's important. It is. Yeah, the grip, <laughs> grip pressure. That you yeah. know, that pressure uh, where you, you know, the thumb pressure is, is key. Yeah, I got yeah. have that backhand. You can't get the backhand without that grip. Exactly. <laughs> can't you can't have that backhand that boil backhand flick from the no mid-court without the, the proper grip yeah. yeah so they're doing stuff like that and you know the kids are talking on social media but yeah we need to get back i'm just hoping that my uh my province is gonna everyone's gonna stay home right now and yeah that's the thing like um, and, that, that's the thing yeah. i just uh, i mean i'm i'm playing a bit of squash these days but i'm also playing golf and uh, as you know golf's in a very addictive game there are cor- course, yep. most of the courses in the UAE, most of them are closed, but a couple of them are open. And one, the one course that has been open the whole time has been my club. And, oh. uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, but for four weeks I haven't played. Uh, and I, you know, I really miss it. I want to play, but there are a lot of people still playing. And I just don't, you know, I don't want to be holier than thou, but... Uh, you, know, you just want to say, you know, stay at home you know, for, yeah. for, for another month or so. And then, you know, the golf course will be there, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, people, you know, the problem is, though, I guess for, for golf clubs around here, and maybe even, you know, all sporting facilities, is you, you begin to feel the pinch. So there, there is ways, I think, to play golf. It sounds like golf is one of the sports that will come back first. Yeah. But, well, you know, like what are they going to do um, – with the pin because if everybody touches the pin yeah well, what they had at my club was that they had a uh, something placed in the cup like halfway up the cup so that the ball would just not go down yep. so you you just yep. pick out the ball so nice. uh, you don't touch the pin so you can see the pin you can see the pin it stays in uh, yep. and then when you if you your puck goes in it doesn't drop to the bottom of the hole there's something like a, yeah. a stop gap. So then um, you can try to keep your distance, I guess, and play golf. But um, I don't know. It's dangerous right now. It's not the time. No. The time right now it is. No, we're in uncharted territory, you know. I know. I don't know what's going to happen with the next wave. I mean, it seems like it's been in all the rich countries. And so what's is it going to go into some poorer parts of the world now or are we going to get are we going to be okay have they shut down things in time 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, I mean, every day when it, the way it plays out, it's just, uh, it, it's very, obviously it's unpredictable and we, we can't, uh, the best thing we can do is just be do our civic uh, responsibility and that's uh, stay at home. Yeah. Or stay, you know, do, do what you can to avoid spreading it. So, uh, yeah, so I've, I've uh, done my best not to uh, take advantage of my club being open. Yeah. So is, is your golf club part of the squash club? Your squash club as well? Is no, together? no, no. Uh, squash club is just five minutes away, but uh, no, it's not, not together. So, yeah. but the squash club is closed. Yeah. It's the only facility I think in, <laughs> at least in the province uh, of the UAE that I work in, it's like um, where we live. It's the only facility that, that's, that remains open. I think it's, there's obviously some politics there, but I'm not sure I, I can discuss that uh, right now. Yeah. So. <laughs> Do you guys have a lot of cases out there? Yeah. Um, yeah. There se- it seems to be, you know, they haven't peaked yet, so they still seem to be on the rise, uh, but it's not like a, as bad as a lot of other places. I wouldn't, you know, you don't really hear on the news about the UAE uh, being up there and, the number of cases but you know it's definitely there are cases here and they they seem to be increasing still so you know they're they're doing what they can i mean they they have a free uh covid center where you can go in and get your test it's like a drive-through you drive through several different uh, stations where you you get your test done and it's free and uh, you just call up if you feel you feel like you have the virus or you feel you have some of the symptoms and they'll give you an appointment and you go to this uh, free facility and they give you the test two days later, you know, if you're infected or not. So, I mean, they've got uh, things set up here pretty well in that regard compared to, uh, I think other countries. Yeah. I think we're just starting to control of our testing here and it's not quite up to par. It's not quite where it's supposed to be in Ontario, but they're, they're working on it, so hopefully in the next week they'll have testing, a lot more testing. And and is it? It's well, obviously it's free, right? So yeah, it's free. Yeah. Well, man, I hope uh, I hope everything uh, gets back to normal soon for you, for for Ontario, for your squash club, for everybody, and uh, I hope your family's safe and, and healthy, mate. Um, and it was really uh, really fun catching up with you, Matt. Uh, I know we got to get together soon one of these days, maybe at a master's event. Do you still play? Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> not, it's not my, it's not my uh, priority, but I enjoy it. And I, my priority is to coach and run the, run the club. And, yeah. but I love playing and I'll play in some tournaments. Um, it's good for me. It's good as a coach to get out on court and put yourself through it. So you realize what it's all about because it, you can't it's hard to sit behind the court and just watch and you forget how hard it is how's your how's your body holding up good and you know i i stretch a lot and, and yeah you've got I, I mean you were always fairly you know like you said earlier you were skinny and light and you seem you still seem you don't seem to have put on that much weight no now, i've I got a little the- just lately i've got a, a little bit of a um, i don't know if it's a adductor or maybe a hip issue but it's i mean i still play and i still 
you know, yeah. I'm still moving pretty well, but uh, there's a little niggle uh, usually here and there when I, when I play. Yeah. There's always something in those areas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But back in the day, never, I mean, unless you, you know, fell down walking home at night, you know, there was never really an issue back then. No. So no. Boy, Boyle would show up with the, bandage around his uh around his right hand and then try to go and play right yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly well matt uh really really cool uh this was a uh absolute pleasure catching up with you uh, i mean we could just talk for hours here about all sorts of stuff but uh, i'm really uh re really honored to have you on because i know you've done a lot of great work uh, as a coach uh, in Ontario at you know Niagara on the Lakes and also with your varsity stuff I forgot to mention you're you're at uh, is it Brock University is that right yeah Brock University it's yeah, so you've got some varsity stuff uh, you're you're the head coach uh, there as well is that that's just around the corner from where you are yeah it is and uh, we all train at the White Brock Oaks. Badgers right yeah yeah we all train at White Oaks and the Jesters uh of Ontario is um, sponsoring a great university league that um, all the big schools go to and uh, there's world-class players now we got great kids in Ontario playing yeah. the Jet League and the OUA championship so it's really coming up and it's all led by Western who go down and compete in the in the states and so they have the best team and they've won for 30 years but um, we get a lot of great players in Ontario. Um, so if any kids are looking to get to Canada, you can uh, let me know. See me on whiteoaksresort.com, squash director, and uh, see if we can get you in. Well, do you We're get to, I mean, we Canada's, you know, open door, more or less immigration policy, oh, yeah. uh, you know, could bring with it quite a few talented uh, squash players from the, the squash uh some of the squash countries. Um, do you get much yeah. uh, in terms yeah. of that? Like you get some, some good talent from overseas? Yeah, like the Jester's League is full of these great kids and they're coming from all over the world now. They're not just going to the States now. They're also starting to realize that there's a lot of good squash and good schools in Ontario. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and just being Canadian. I mean, you know, they, they get their foot in the door to be, uh, to be all Canadian like us. I know. I'm super excited. I got this guy uh, from uh, Egypt, this kid, Mahmoud, is coming. Uh, he's just been in Halifax for a year. And then Chris Petropoulos told him to give me a shout, and he's going to transfer. Petropoulos, all, always, uh, he's always there, isn't he? So he's come in and <laughs> got a kid here for the men's team, which we need. All right. We're we need uh, we need A players. You got to have A players if you want to win a medal in Ontario in the university. You need uh, seven good A players. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, good luck with that, Matt. And uh, all the best to you and your family. And happy birth. T tell your son. Uh, uh, I forgot his name. Is it Christian? Charles. Yeah. Charles. Sorry. <laughs> tell Charles I said happy birthday, mate. Good talking yeah, to you, buddy. I'm sure now that people are going to realize a lot more about you because. Um, We've been through everything that you went through, and more and, or less, uh, yeah. We we told a few of the stories that could be told on air. Yeah. Yeah. 
we could have said a lot more. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if we got sort of generally the, the, the picture. I mean, they were good days. Uh, oh, yeah. We had a great, uh, you know, we had a, I re, I'll never forget the great Black Knight League match that we had at Dalplex. That was a great <laughs> match. Uh, Tom Horry was the referee. The, the, the yeah. gallery was packed. And uh, yeah. it was a match played in the best spirit. Let's just say that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I was just so happy that you guys accepted me because you guys could have been bullies to me, but you, no, you no. guys let me in and, and uh, we had a great time. Oh man, no way. I mean, you, you were a great player and uh, you know, there was none of this bullying around. I mean, there was just a lot of good competitive squash and good people and you know, family was a big thing back then. I mean, as you mentioned, my parents were involved in the yeah. squash and, and your dad was huge. Uh, I, I want uh, uh, the, the story. I've told it a couple of times. I think just recently, actually, I'll never forget. Um, I just made the provincial team. I forget who the men's team and your dad was coaching. I think I'm not sure if you were on the team or not, but, uh, and I'll never forget. I mean, your dad was just such a good guy and such a, you know, he wanted the best for us and he got upset with me because I went to Mexico for, for a couple of weeks before the provincial team. And he was so right. He was so right at that time. Uh, Cause he told, you know, he told me, you know, you should be training and, and stuff, but I did train. I was down there, I was doing courts, or not courts, sprints, uh, ghosting on the beach. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, it, but it wasn't the same as, uh, you know, what I should have been doing. But I came back and I, and I apologized to him. Yeah. And then we, we, um, we had some good, uh, some good sessions after that and had a decent, I think, I think we played pretty well in that team championships. It was you, maybe you, me, and Julian, because Keith broke his hand or something. Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> There was always something, always something with the Nova Scotia. It was, yeah. yeah. It was never straightforward. Never straightforward, but always good fun, uh, Matt. And um, yes, yeah, so please, and also send my best to uh, to your family, to your dad. Keep keep it going, buddy. You know, you all too. the best. Good talking thanks to you. So oh. great to talk to you. Great friendship. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jerry. Well, that was fantastic. Thanks so much, uh, Matt Easingwood. That was uh, that was very, very uh, cathartic for me. I mean, looking back at the old days, way back, uh, back to when uh, I actually played his dad, and then uh, all those years where we competed uh, against one another and uh, played on the same teams together. Uh, lots of fun there. So appreciate Matt. And uh, again, if you're ever in uh, Niagara Falls or in the area. Uh, check out White Oaks, a fantastic resort. Uh, Matt laid it out for us. And if you're keen on maybe perhaps uh, if you see, if you know the venue and think uh, you might want to uh, consider sponsoring an event because the, the, the setting is actually perfect for it, uh, give him a shout or give White Oaks, uh, shoot them an email. Um, and uh, Matt laid out where you can contact him in the podcast. So just go back and listen to that and I'll put up all the details on the uh profile for the podcast now going forward uh what we've got uh, a couple of more great ones coming up uh with any luck sean delier uh he'll make a second uh, visit to the podcast and everyone knows sean's uh, quite the character quite a passionate uh, person on and off the court and i really enjoyed the first uh, chat that we had and looking forward to having him him on alan klein uh, hopefully going to have him on and a few more uh, in the works as well so we've got plenty more uh squash uh, stories coming up for you squash chats on the podcast so stay tuned for those 
And uh, more importantly, you know, keep up the good fight, everybody. Keep up your at-home training, whatever it is you're doing, keeping your eye on the ball, staying safe, staying healthy, stemming the spread of the virus. And uh, as I said in the intro, sooner rather than later, given, uh, you know, we keep up the, uh, you know, the isolation, the lockdown, uh, the, the virus will stop uh, spreading and we'll be back on court soon. So all the best with that. Let's do it, people. Keep up the good fight. Keep well, stay safe, and talk to you soon. Goodbye now.